0: You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are listening, we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome 1030 Millsboro. Good to see you guys. Band did great today. It was so good. I loved it and so good to have corey back corey and heather just had a baby so corey was back after his short maternity leave so congratulations if you slip them a little money for the college fund everybody would appreciate that so Good to see you. Next Sunday, Father's Day, we got a great day planned. Make sure all the dads are here. We're gonna give away that Blackstone grill, and it got to be here to win it. So uh, if your hubby's not here, bring him next week and get the uh, the little raffle thing filled out. And uh, we had somebody. We're giving away one at every uh, campus, and we had a, a married guy at the uh, at the Rehoboth campus. Not a dad yet. He said, "If I get my wife pregnant this week, can I be in the running for the grill?" So, um, we know, we're not sure about that. We, got, we have to see a pregnancy test, I think, to make sure that that's really reality. But anyhow, it's going to be a fun day next weekend, and so um, look, look forward to you coming. So, uh, we're in a series called... Um Uh, Showdown in Egypt, and we're looking at the life of Moses and the stuff going on in Moses's life as he confronts Pharaoh. Uh, So uh, we've been looking at the Book of Exodus. So last week we talked about you know Moses's call. He got this call from the Lord, and the Lord appeared to him and wanted him to go to Egypt. And he said, "No, I really don't want to do that." And he had all these excuses. And one of the things we saw last week was Moses's freedom to express to God his reservations about going to Egypt. And we see a dynamic regarding our relationship with God that we are allowed to have honest dialogue with the Lord. And the Lord was very patient with Moses. Now the Lord got angry at the end of that encounter when Moses said, I'm not going to go send someone else. And then there was an issue, but uh, there was this incredible dialogue that Moses was allowed to have with God. So what happened in this part of the book of Exodus, Moses finally makes a decision to go to Egypt And that's the first leg of this. And then when he gets to Egypt, things get hard, harder. He had a hard time getting to the decision point, but when he got to Egypt, he had the implementation point. Implementation is always harder than deciding part. You make a decision to follow Jesus. You make a decision to change up something in your life, and uh, it, it becomes harder. And so I want to read a little bit of this to you, um, uh, Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to look at some of the, uh, what this verse says to us. Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, it says this, uh, Afterward Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Go back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. The same day Pharaoh gave the order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people, you are no longer to supply the people with straws, straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is what they're crying out. Let us go. Sacrifice to the Lord our God. Make the people work harder harder. For the people, so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. There's a a, a real interesting commentator. It's got him Peter Enns. He says about this passage. He says we expect as Moses comes to Egypt, we expect a quick cataclysmic end to Pharaoh's destructive plan. But this is not what happens. In this section, things get worse before they get better. So in this. Uh, part of the Moses drama, what we see is we see this tug of war between Moses and Pharaoh. And uh, as I mentioned, Moses has come to this distinctive decision that he's going to go and and follow God's plan. But when he gets to Egypt and he faces Pharaoh, his first encounter with Pharaoh is a big failure. Pharaoh says, I'm not going to let Israel go. I'm not gonna let him go. And I don't know if Moses was thinking that he was gonna go in there, say, thus saith the Lord, this is gonna happen and you need to let the people go. And I don't know if he thought Pharaoh was gonna say, oh, great, how can I help? It wasn't that easy, there was a struggle. There is always a struggle between making a decision and implementing that decision. Uh, One of the great examples that all of us can relate to is on a diet, have you ever gone on a diet? You look in the mirror, January 1st, and you think something's gotta be done. You know, I gotta go on a diet, and so you go on a diet. How many have ever gone on a couple two-day diets? I mean, you're on a diet on Tuesday, by Thursday, you're off that thing. And we've all experienced that. I heard about the lady that she went on a diet, she went to Dunkin' Donuts, and she's sitting there with a cup of coffee before work, and a man comes and sits down in front of her with a big cup of coffee with half and half in it and two big donuts. She's sitting there and he's you know he's eating that donut taking the napkin wiping his lip and just enjoying that donut and he gets up and leaves one of the donuts there. She thinks, "What in the world? What in the world? I can't believe this is too much the temptation is too much." So she grabs the donut, takes a big bite out of it and about that time he came back with his second cup of coffee. <laughs> we know what that's like. You got a desire. You want to do something. You're going to change things. Things are going to be better. And then all of a sudden you run into the resistance. Implementation is hard. Making a decision is hard, but harder is the implementation of a decision when you make a decision to do that pharaoh is determined not to let the people of god go it's free labor for him he's got building projects he's got all of these uh, agendas and these people are free labor and he's not going to let them go and it reminds me, Karen and I went to uh, the beach a couple years ago. We went down to Femic Island to go to the beach, and we went all the way to the end of 54. And, you know, 54 comes to that, you know, the mini golf places there. And you got Route 1, and you got Coors Ice Cream on the left-hand corner. You got Fisher's Popcorn uh, on the other corner. And when you cross the street, uh, it's called, I think it's called Lighthouse Road. And uh, Karen and I were looking for a parking spot. We thought little chance we're going to find a parking spot on this street, but we go down this street and sure enough, there is a empty parking spot on the left-hand side, but there's a guy standing in the middle of the parking spot. And I rolled down my window and I said, sir, we want to park here. He said, I'm saving this for somebody. Now, I've lived here my whole life. I'm a Sussex County, and I've lived here, you know, my whole life. I've never seen anybody save a parking spot with their body. They don't have a moped. He didn't have a motorcycle. He didn't have a car. He's just saving that spot with his body. He's waiting for somebody going to come in 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, I rolled down the window. I said, you can't do that. That's not what we do around here. You can't save it with your body. He was waving me off. No way. You get out of here. And I'm, you know, I felt so bad about running over that guy. But I'm telling you. That's not something you do. Pharaoh is saving the parking spot. He's not giving up. He's not letting go. He's determined. So, what is in the story? What do we learn in the story? Why is Pharaoh resistant? His first complaint is Who is the Lord that I should obey the Lord? Who is the Lord? And, and it's interesting to me that his response was I don't know your Lord. I don't know who the Lord is, and I'm not going to listen to what your Lord says. Now, I want you to think about the fundamental difference between you and a person that is not a Christian. If you meet somebody at Food Lion or Harris Teeter or uh, Giant, wherever you shop, and they're not a believer, what is the difference between that person and you that are a follower of Christ? It's fundamentally this. A Christian is somebody that has placed their life under the authority of Jesus, that Jesus is the authority, the final authority in their life. That's what makes you different. That's what makes me different. Pharaoh says, I don't know who the Lord is. He's not my Lord and I'm gonna do what I wanna do. So we think about our relationship with the Lord. It's based on this relationship where we see God as being supreme in our life. The supreme authority in our life is not ourself, but the supreme authority in our life is Jesus. That's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. So if you're here today and you are a Christian, I want to remind you of how things work in your life, that Jesus is Lord of your life. He's the final say in your life. Harry Truman, when he became president, when uh, Franklin Roosevelt died, I don't know if it's 1946, uh, something like that. When Franklin Roosevelt died uh, and Franklin, Rose, Franklin Roosevelt died and Harry Truman became president, Harry Truman was uh, one of the only, maybe the only, one of the few presidents, there's a couple that never went to college. He was uh, worked in a men's store, sold clothing, an interesting guy. But he had, when he became president, he had a, a plaque on his desk and the plaque said, the buck stops here. The buck stops here. And interesting thing, Harry Truman, little short guy, maybe he's compensating for his insecurities, but he said, the buck stops here. I want to ask you this question. Where does the buck stop in your life? Where does the buck stop in your life? Who has the final say in your life? I have people come to me all the time. They come to me and they say, well, we're going to move to Alabama and, uh, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and, uh, and they say that. Or somebody will come and they'll say, well, uh, I've decided I'm going to marry George over here. And they'll say that. Or, or they'll say, we're going to make this major change in our life. We're going to make this major shift. And rarely do I hear anybody say, you know, I've been praying about this. We've been seeking the Lord about this, and we feel like the Lord has given us direction to do this. Sometimes I hear that. Whenever I hear somebody says, you know, we've been thinking about this and praying about it, and we just believe the Lord wants us to do that. When I hear that, I know that that person understands how life is to work as a follower of Jesus. When you come to these major crossroads in your life, when I come to these major crossroads in my life, I have to kneel at the feet of Jesus. And I have to say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. You know more than I do that I am your, I have been designed for your purpose. The Bible says this in eight, uh, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. According to his purpose, my life, is to fulfill the purpose of God. What God wants for me to do. If God wants me to move to Alabama, he says that you're supposed to go to Alabama and he's the Lord, then I'm supposed to go to Alabama. I wouldn't like to go to Alabama. I like living in Delaware. If the Lord says, I want you to do this, do that. I've got to do that. This week, Karen was away on vacation and uh, she had a little break with her sister. So I had a lot of time alone together. So I just, a lot of Doritos. I just enjoyed myself a whole lot. And one night I went out, I was preparing this message and I got out on the the porch in front of my house and had my coffee there. And I began to talk to the Lord. I said, Lord, Lord, is there anything in my life that I'm doing that you don't want me to do? Am I doing anything that you want me to stop? Am I holding on to anything that I'm supposed to let go of? Lord, what do you want me to do? And, And I said, Lord, I'm an open book, whatever you say. And I listened and I listened. I felt like the Lord said, stay the course. Stay the course. I felt like that's what he said. But I I think that to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus means that fundamentally Jesus is Lord of our life. Let me read a couple scriptures to you that that I think are helpful here. One is, uh, listen to this, James, I think it's James chapter 4. Listen to this. See if this sounds familiar, how we do things. James 4.13 says, this is what James says about the believers in his day, how they were living. He says, now listen, you, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. In verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. If you're going to change jobs, if you're going to change states, if you're going to change a major thing in your life, you want to be able to say, Lord, what is your will? Lord, what is your will? Uh, A few weeks from now, I'm going to be, I think three weeks from now, I'll be flying to Texas. Karen and I are going to be visiting some friends. I'll be preaching sometime in July down in Texas. And uh, when I get on that uh, airplane, I like to fly Southwest. Anybody like to fly Southwest? I like them. They're good people. I like that. You know, uh, other airlines, not so much. Spirit, Air, Spirit Airlines, I wouldn't say the Spirit's in them. I don't care much for that. But, but when you, uh, I get on an airplane, I'm flying coach, you know, because I'm poor. So I'm on coach, I'm back there. I'm just hanging out and the coach people. And you see the, the door open to the cockpit. I mean, I could, I could undo my, my seatbelt and I could walk down that aisle and I could pull that pilot off his seat and I could try to fly that airplane, but I have no idea what I'm doing because the, cop, or the, for the pilot knows how to fly the plane and the Lord knows what's best for your life. The Lord knows what's best for your life. He has the best plan for you. Your plan is always a downgraded plan. Your plan is always a downgrade plan. I remember when, uh, do you remember... Uh, Anybody old enough that would have cr- been Christians forever? Uh, do you remember Christian bumper stickers? Do anybody remember Christian bumper stickers? I, don't, I never use Christian bumper stickers because I'm not a very good driver, so I didn't think I was a good witness for the Lord. But uh, there's one that said, God is my co-pilot. God is my co-pilot. I'm here to tell you that's heresy. That's heresy. If God is your co-pilot, you're not even a Christian because God is our pilot. We're the co-pilot. He's the one flying the plane. He's the one that has the final say. And I want you to say this with me right now, Jesus Jesus. has the final say say. in my life. And say this with me, everybody right now, Jesus, Jesus, the buck stops with you. So Pharaoh said, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Who's the Lord that I should listen to him? Pharaoh did not recognize the lordship of Yahweh. And there's people in our culture. Don't expect people in our culture to live like Christians. Don't expect people you see on the news to live like Christians. They are, they're under the spirit and influence of this world. We're a different people. We're a different, uh, we're, we're a special peculiar group of people chosen by God. And so when you look at the news and you see people living crazy lives, We get all upset and say, what the world's wrong with them? I tell you what's wrong with them. They're Egyptians. They don't know who the Lord is. When the Lord is Lord of your life, he will reconfigure how you live your life. He will reconfigure how you live your life. So the next thing we see in the story is victory was not instantaneous. When, When Moses went to Pharaoh... I don't know if he was thinking that Pharaoh was going to capitulate right away, that Pharaoh was just going to go along with it, and that everything's going to be okay. But when he uh, went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh did not respond positively. And scholars say it was either 30 to 40 days or a year that these plagues went on. There was 10 plagues. So these plagues could have gone on as long as a year. And Moses keeps going back time and time again. He didn't you know the whole idea of one try victories is a myth one try we try one time and we're going to have the victory it just doesn't work that way you know we 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 try and we try and we try and we try victory's not easy it's a struggle it's a struggle your sanctification is a struggle You know, how many have ever asked the Lord to forgive you for something? You said, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. And you did it two weeks later. How many? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you could point to the person next to you. I mean, you know, how many know that? How many know? How many have that's ever happened to? Oh my gosh. I'll never get mad again. And then you're out on Route One to somebody from New Jersey in front of you. You lose your temper. Thank you, all the New New Jersey people, part of our church now. We have a lot of New Jersey people, so that was a bad joke. Just forgive me for that. (laughs) But you say, I'm not gonna do it again, not gonna do it again. Moses is trying to get the people out of bondage and the struggle to get them out of their bondage was a process. Celebrate process, not perfection. Celebrate process, not perfection when you look at your life and you see the dips and downs of your sanctification and you're trying to grow in your faith you're trying to be pure sexually you're trying to be kind to people that are difficult when you're trying to not be materialistic and you get overcome with materialistic stuff and your life's obsessed with that kind of stuff it's a process our sanctification is a process getting out of bondage It's not instantaneous, it is a process. It's a process, very important thing for us to remember. My little granddaughter, Willa Grace, she, uh, when she was a little tiny girl, I mean, when she was three or four years old, I took her fishing for the first time. And uh, I love that girl with all my heart, love all my grandkids, I just love Willa Grace. She's just touches my heart. And uh, so I took her, I know she was like four years old, brought the fishing rod over. We had a big day planned. I was going to take her fishing. We were going to go to Dairy Queen. We we're going to go to the beach. And so it was like my time with her. And I don't know, her dad had something and all that. So I was with her. So I get the, the fishing rod. We go behind her, her house. She had this big pond there. And I said, Willow, we're going to fish. And I showed her about the bait. And I, and I, I cast it for her over on the edge. And she got a hold of it. She's just a little holding on to that thing. Bam, the rod goes down. She's trying, and I got a hold of her, I helped her reel it in, and she reeled in a monster bass. I mean, it's like the first or second cast. I said, Willow, that's amazing. I said, now listen, let's turn it back. Let's give it back. Oh, she didn't want to turn it back. This is her fish, you know. This, fish is, this fish's life is over. I'm telling you, let's, let's give this fish back. No, she wanted to keep the fish. Okay, so we wrapped it in, you know, newspaper and all that. So I said, okay, we're going to Cast again. Cast again bam, the rod goes down again. She catches another big bass. I say, Willow, it doesn't work this way. This is not how, this is not how life works. I mean, to tell you, it just doesn't work that way. She, I mean, she just, you know, first time fishing, forecast, two big bass. So the other night I'm fishing with her out in, uh, in England's pond and I'm fishing. She's, she's gets, you know, bored. So she's, she's doing the, uh, she's got her little seine net and Nixon and Nora there and they're catching tadpoles and they're catching different things. And uh, she catches this little baby catfish. And I'm, I've been fishing under this limb. I've been fishing for 40 minutes, five minutes under this. I just, it's starting to get dark. I'm fishing. Uh, I got a few little nibbles. So Willow, she puts that, she puts that little uh, catfish on there, throws it under that limb. Bam, the rod goes down. She caught a gigantic bass. Look at this bass she caught. She caught that like that. I said, Willow, there's an anointing on you to fish. Lay hands on Papa. (laughs) Listen, life is not easy. It's not easy like that change is not easy sanctification is not easy wanting to be more like Jesus is a process and it's a struggle and the bondage is strong and you go time and time again and Moses went before Pharaoh over and over and over again and he said let my people go and there was a struggle there's a struggle And so when you think about your life and you think about what Jesus is doing in your life, there is a struggle for your bondages to dissipate in your life. It's going to take a while. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. Doesn't mean that you just have these patterns in your life that are bondages. And Paul said in Romans chapter seven, Paul said, the thing I don't want to do, I do. And the thing I want to do, I don't do. And have you ever identified with that? You want to be different? You want to change? You want to be this transformed person? But the truth is, when we look at the Moses story, the Moses story exemplifies it's a process, that there's a battle and there's a struggle, but you just keep going. I've been watching the uh, French Open Tennis uh tournament I don't know if anybody's a tennis fan out there I mean I've been watching it a whole lot and trying to work and yesterday was the women's final went about three hours today's the actually right now is the men's final going on right now and uh, I can hear it in my ears while I'm preaching so I'm a little mixed up but anyhow but in the Roland Garros uh, uh, arena where the big tennis matches are there's a big sign on the wall that says victory belongs to the most tenacious Victor belongs to the most tenacious. 10 times, 10 times Moses marched in front of Pharaoh. 10 times, Pharaoh said no. 10 times, Moses stood there with a rod in his hand. He was not gonna give up until there was freedom. And when you think about your life, if you've fallen and you've stumbled, you don't give up. In fact, I believe that before there's victory, many times God allows us to walk through a period of failure so we can understand that the glory and the power for our liberation belongs to the Lord. Now, there's one last thing I want you to see in this story is the bondage that Moses was seeking to deliver the people from and Pharaoh's resisting, he was tenacious. He kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. But there was another factor and that was the supernatural these miracles that you see in the book of Exodus, these 10 plagues turning the water into to blood, the gnats and the locusts and the darkness and, and the frogs and all these, these were supernatural events where God intervened in the natural realm and he calls supernatural things to happen. And it says in Exodus chapter six, verse one, by the mighty hand of God, is what it says in Exodus six, six one, by the mighty hand of God, I will deliver the people. So, we're talking about the supernatural power of God for us to have victory in our life. We want to go to counseling, we want to go to 12 steps, we want to confess our sins, we want to pray, we want to read our Bible. We want to do everything we're supposed to do because every time you go to counseling, you're humbling yourself. Every time you confess your sins to another person, you're humbling yourself. God works in a spirit of humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I was uh, at the night of worship last week uh, at Femmick Island. We had a wonderful time. I mean, they, whoo. It was just such a good night of worship when we had a lot of you guys came. We had a lot of people from this campus that came. It was powerful, a powerful night. Well done. The team did so well. Nate and a bunch of, you know, all the Joel and Brigitte and everybody. This is a part of that. And we had Stephen, I think, that helped out. It was incredible. The Lord's moving. I mean, we're worshiping. The Lord's moving. And at the end of the night of worship, a brother there, that's one of the leaders in the church, the Holy Spirit came on him. And he began to go to people in that crowd that he had had an issue with. And he began to confess his sin. He said, and he said, I am so sorry for what I did. And it was so wonderful to see the humility in this person who's a follower of Jesus. And the humility was there and the spirit of the Lord was on him. And where you have humility, where you have people that are humbling themselves. You know, I I tell you what, uh, it doesn't matter how big a church gets I've been watching the Hillsong thing on, was it on Hulu? And what's happened to Hillsong and all that. I tell you what, doesn't matter how big a church gets, doesn't matter how famous the pastor is, doesn't matter how all this stuff happens, at the end of the day, we need to be a humble people because this is about Jesus. It's not about a man. It's not about a band. It's not about lights. It's about Jesus. We need to make Jesus the Lord of our life. When we humble ourselves before him and we're humble before him, God will do extraordinary things in this generation, in churches that will recognize that God gets the glory. Can you say a big amen? But this this guy, he's coming up and he's just confessing his sins. He came up to me, confessed some sins to me. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's so humble. I thought, man, I probably need to confess some sins to him. So I confessed some sins to him. It was like, this is wonderful. But you know how they got out of Egypt? It wasn't just Moses showing up and sticking his finger in Pharaoh's eyes. It was the supernatural power of God came on that land and there was miracles we need we need you don't. Know, you're not going to get free of some of the stuff you're 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 dealing with just by going to certain things it's going to help a lot I tell you what's going to set you free is the supernatural power of God setting you free from things that you could never set yourself free from. And so we need to say every day, come Holy Spirit, fill me. Ephesians chapter five, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Not to be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And we need to say, Lord, I need to be filled with your Spirit because you can liberate me from my bad attitudes. You can liberate me from my bad habits. You can liberate me and set me free. It's like... A, a stump that's stuck and you dig around and you can't get the stump out so you take a chain and you took hook that chain up to a john deere tractor and that john deere tractor can pull the stump up the holy spirit is our john deere tractor to our habits and we're not we're not going to do it on our own we have to say lord help me help me you know, you said, oh, I'm never going to get angry again. Never going to get angry again. Never get angry again. Oh, Lord, I just, I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm never going to get angry again. Then you go to the family dinner, you get angry again, you know? How many ever said you never get angry again, you got angry again? How many has that ever happened to anybody? Liberation. Hey, let my people go. Nope, not going to do it. Let my people go. No, let my people go. Sign, wonder, miracles, power. Before every great redemptive moment in history, there's miracles. Miracles before they got out of Egypt. When Jesus came, he did 37 miracles before salvation was provided. Before the end of the age, before Jesus comes, there'll be an acceleration of miracles that will lead up to that liberating time when we're set free from this corrupt world that we live in. I was thinking about a struggle to get free, and it made me think of uh, something in history. March 7th, 1965, Selma, Alabama. 600 civil rights people. We're going to march from Selma all the way to Montgomery, and Montgomery was 51 miles away. They're going to march down 81, Route 81, and stand in front of the uh, Capitol building or uh, the state building there in Montgomery, and they were going to protest that blacks did not have the right to vote. 600 protesters go to that bridge, and when they go to that bridge, on the other side of that bridge are the state troopers, are the local police and some of them are on horses. And as those people begin to walk, some black, some white, civil rights leaders walking across that bridge. They stormed down that bridge with their billy clubs and their tear gas, and they pushed people down. There was a guy named John Lewis that was leading the march. They hit him in the back of the head with a billy club, and he had a scar on the back of his head the rest of his life. He, ter- he served 17 terms in the House of Representatives in the United States, and they did not let him cross. They would not let him free. A couple of days later, they tried it again. And this time Martin Luther King was with them. They Lyndon Johnson had gotten involved. It was such a horrible scene. It was on TV that Lyndon Johnson had the National Guard there protecting the civil rights leaders as they walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And a few days later, a few weeks later, actually. Lyndon Johnson at the White House with John Lewis, with his bandaged head, signed into law the right for blacks to vote. Hallelujah, it's about time. And you know what? Didn't come without a struggle. Didn't come without a struggle. Anything worthwhile you will struggle to achieve and i just want to say to you today as your pastor we're out of time i want to say to you that in your in your walk with the lord and you're growing you're doing good the lord's with you he's helping you you stumbled here's my here's my life verse you say pastor Danny, what's your favorite verse in the bible do you have a favorite verse in the bible do you have a f- do you have one verse that's more important to you than any other verse You have a life verse. I do. I do. My favorite verse in the Bible by far is Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He started a good work in you and he's carried on to completion. Would you lift your hands? The Holy Spirit's here to help you. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. Jesus is not Lord of your life. It's it's just a sovereign moment. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. He's speaking to you about coming to Jesus right now. Maybe you need to dedicate your life back to the Lord. You've not been walking with Jesus. You got away. You've gone AWOL. And he's not Lord of your life anymore. You're living your own life. And you just say, Lord, I'm coming back. Today, I'm making you Lord of my life. I'm making you Lord. Because my life doesn't work without you at the helm. Father, God, let your spirit move on us as a church on all of our campuses. Let the spirit of God move on us. We invite the Holy Spirit inside of us. Lord, fill us with the spirit in ways that however you want to manifest that filling, we just invite the spirit to fill us. But we know without the filling of the spirit, we can't get free. We can't quit the stuff that we want to quit. We ask you to help us. And we humble ourselves before you. And we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that the day came that the Egyptians emptied their pockets and they gave their gold, they gave their silver to the Israelites and they walked out of that town. They walked out of Egypt free. They weren't slaves anymore. They were free. We see the day, Lord, when we will be free of all the stuff that's held us in bondage. We thank you for it. We long for it. We long to be pure. We long to be holy. We long to be righteous. We long to be like Jesus. We thank you for changing us. Make us distinct in the country we live in. Help us to quit. Be so worried about people sinning when they're sinners. That's what they do. We are a different people, a peculiar people. We dedicate ourselves to you. As your hands raised high, let's say this out loud. Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now there's I believe somebody's coming to the Lord right now as we're praying you're just inviting Jesus in your life you're coming back to the Lord there's some prodigal sons coming home there's some wayward people coming back to faith father God we invite you Jesus to do your work your spirit work in us change us make us what we're supposed to be say this with me Jesus your Lord this week will be different because I'm following you with all my heart. And now speak a blessing. I bless as your servant, Lord. I'm just a servant, just a servant of your kingdom. I speak a blessing over your people. I speak a blessing that they would be, their minds would be pure this week, that their minds would be strong this week, that they would not be discouraged. There's some goals and some dreams that people have, some things that that you've given them visions that they're not fulfilling and help them to see you break through. We want breakthroughs with dreams and visions for people that they'll begin to achieve those things they're called to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen, amen. Let's just thank Jesus for his love. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.